Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Mark Cote, who is currently basically running sales operations at a company called Dosh. Mark, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you very much, Tom. Happy to be here. And so I'm super excited to talk to Mark. Mark has what we think about 15 years of experience in sales ops with some very credible names. Um, And also, actually, I actually had a a similar person on the show um, recently who also worked at Bazaar Voice, where you also worked, right, Mark? Um, His name was... uh, Bouchan, but I think he was post you. He was after your your time. Uh, yeah, but I remember I remember the person. That's awesome. Got it. And then, but then we also, of course, have, we have Yahoo and we have Tumblr. So this is going to be a super exciting conversation, Mark. Um, first, I'd like to go all the way back to the start. How did you first get into sales operations? Yes, I um, I left business school and got into business strategy. Uh, so I was a consultant at the Boston Consulting Group for a few years in New York, and then left. Uh, consulting was it was you know it was interesting and fun, but I really wanted to be part of building companies. So I had this startup bug, and I went and worked for a bunch of different startups, uh, including you know I was one of two people in a sub basement in New York with a bunch of engineers in Tel Aviv who we were designing products for the U.S. pet industry. Yada yada yada. Uh, spent a bunch of years in some startups and. Ended up in sales of all places. Uh, basically, when the dot com boom busted, uh, I'd been in biz dev and marketing for online startups and product startups, and nobody was hiring people in biz dev. And I was uh, doing some business deals with some of the first uh, early search providers. And I happened to talk to a woman at LookSmart, who was one of the first search providers, paid search. They did all the paid search for Microsoft back before, uh, even before Google. And I ended up selling for them. And so that started a, about a dozen years in sales and sales management. So I started off with, uh, with LookSpar and then I went to Overture that got bought by Yahoo. And I was a sales leader out of New York running sales teams in search and display. And after, you know, a dozen years of selling, um, I was just ready for a new challenge. 
and Yahoo had a, a new sales leader came in, a gentleman by the name of Mark Ellis. He was running sales at AOL. He moved over to Yahoo. And he was looking for a chief of staff. Uh, Yahoo did not have a sales operations function. And he and I met at a sales conference and started talking about creating a sales operations discipline at Yahoo and being his chief of staff. And that, you know, that was, uh, that was it. That was the beginning of the, the last 15 years. And so you, you were obviously aware of this whole thing called sales operations. Oh, yeah. Before you, okay. And, and you identified that Yahoo could benefit from this. Correct. Yeah. And I was, even while I was leading sales teams, I was doing sales operation work in the background for the sales leaders I worked for. So I was helping them do territory assignments. I was designing comp plans. I was helping on pricing. Um, and part of the, the uh, you know, in addition to kind of being chief of staff and the operating lead for the head of North America sales, we were, we were really looking at just getting a modern um, CRM system. We were using Oracle, um, which meant we were barely using anything at all. And there were a few of us in the organization that really uh, wanted to move us on to Salesforce. So that was actually one of my first assignments was being the global business lead, moving Yahoo globally onto Salesforce from Oracle. Awesome. So it seems like sales operations was happening in Yahoo prior to there being a formalized department, but you formalized that. And the first project you did was then implementing Salesforce. Um, makes sense. Fast forward to today, can you share a little bit more about DOSH? So how many sales resources are there and how many are there of you in the operations team? Yeah, so DOSH, just like a real quick, is a, DOSH is a consumer finance app. Uh, it's US only, uh, although you in the UK obviously know DOSH is a slang word for cash. Uh, and we are an app that enables cash back. So we are tied directly into Amex, Visa, and MasterCard. We get all the transactions from merchants that work with us. And merchants, uh, we're actually trying to, we're upending kind of the uh, digital spend. Um, so a merchant like a Walmart or a Costco gives us a budget, and they are guaranteed revenue from that budget. So let's say if, if a Walmart gave us $100,000 and we had a 10% fee with them, they're guaranteed to get a million dollars in sales. That 10% goes out to consumers as cash back. Usually probably 5 to 7% of that would go to the consumer as cash back automatically. And then we take the rest as a marketing fee. Um, so we are a, only a three and a half year old startup. We are headquartered here in Austin. Uh, very lean and mean and nimble, even though we've got, um, you know, we are partnering with Venmo and PayPal on some things. Um, there are 72 employees total. Uh, and my, I run all of the revenue operations. So that's sales operations, but it's also consumer merchant uh, operations and success. So my total team is 20, but sales operations is me and a developer. I have a, you know, uh, and I, I've done this before. I started sales operations at Tumblr. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm used to getting my hands dirty. But I also learned very early on that don't just hire an admin, hire a Salesforce developer because they get the stuff done. And then admins can't get the stuff done? Admins can get the stuff done, but they can't program. Got it. Right? Yeah. I mean, admins great if, you, if everything you do is out of the box, but I never do out of the box. Sure. And the, the, the current sales tech stack that you guys are running? 
Yeah, so Salesforce, Pardot, um, we use Tableau for most of our BI. And then as sales tools, we use Docsend and we use Winmo. Cool. And so your sales people are out there selling to merchants, right? Correct. Cool. Yeah, so they're out and- there. Are, we have a, a direct sales team of five people who are out selling to large national brands like the Walmarts and the McDonald's of the world. And then we partner with some third parties and have a self-service local platform to get local content. Sure. And how many reps do you currently have? We have five. Cool. Five reps. Uh, five reps external. I have three merchant success directors who are post-sale and they they work on renewals and churn. Uh, and then I have one SDR. Awesome. And what's something that you guys have done, you and the, the developer have done, uh, recently that's boosted productivity of either just the five reps or the SDR and the CS people as well? Yeah, I mean, this is, it's almost laughable that it's so simple, but I mean, we, you know, in, we installed the Chrome plugin for Gmail uh, for all of them so that, because we wanted better compliance on activity tracking. So making it easier for them and showing them how to use the plugin and, you know, showing them some tips and tricks about, uh, recording their activities right from Gmail because that's our that's our corporate uh, mail platform. You know we're we've got metrics in place to track their activities, um, but you know I'm sure everybody listening knows that getting sellers to track activities in Salesforce is not an easy thing. So you've got to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. So we've done the Gmail Chrome add-on. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. And that allows, so whenever someone's browsing in Chrome, it allows them to easily log things within Gmail? Yeah. So if you're, think about like if you're, you're on Gmail, which is what they're prim- primarily doing when they're not in the field, you have a daughter window uh, that's part of the Chrome extension that you're logged into Salesforce. So as you get an email in from a client or a prospect, it's automatically going to see if that contact is already in Salesforce. If it's not, you can easily add it to Salesforce. Um, if you're replying to somebody, you can, uh, it's going to, to tell you that that contact is in Salesforce, that company is in Salesforce, and you can attach it to an account, an opportunity, a contact record. So it's just, it's making it really easy for our sellers. It also, that plugin allows you um, to move back and forth between Salesforce and your Gmail calendar to see your availability and put your availability into your emails through Gmail. Um, through your, your Google Calendar, but then also track those in Salesforce. And if you if I sent an email to you with, you know, Tom, would you love to chat? Uh, do you have 30 minutes at any of these, at any of these openings? Um, if I get a meeting booked before you, even after you open the email, the next time you come back, it'll be off the calendar. So you'll see just what's available. Um, so it just, it makes it seamless. Got it. And so we're we're basically taking admin steps away from the reps so they can spend more time selling. Exactly. Yeah. But giving what we need, which is visibility. Cool. And you mentioned something I want to dig into a little bit more is you said that getting salespeople to track activity is sometimes hard. Obviously, in your role over the last 15 years, you've had to try to influence salespeople to do certain things. Do you have any tips around doing that effectively? Yeah, so there's two, two things that I found effective. So, 
you know, one is a little more carrot, one's a little more stick. The carrot is that I am a firm believer, especially as having been a sales leader, that, you know, never ask something from a salesperson without giving them something in return, right? So if I'm asking you for more visibility, then, so this was a perfect example, right? We wanted more visibility and we wanted them to be tracking their activities in Salesforce rather than in uh, their own personal G-Docs or whatever they were doing. So we gave them a tool that made it easier for them to do it. Um, if I, you know, so, or I will, uh, we'll, we'll add on a, a new tool that's uh, that maybe it's a third party that we've purchased, but give them something back, right? So if I want accountability, I should give you, I make sure that you can track your commission. Like, I want that to be rewarding for you, but I want you to know how much, how much more you can make um, by making the sale. Like I, I always tell salespeople that I want you to buy a boat, right? Like if you hit it out of the park, I want you to buy a boat with your commission check. Uh, the more stick approach and something that I continually do, which is sneak things in, right? Like I will gradually make more things required um, in Salesforce, especially like for opportunities and even like building accounts, um, start off with the basics, right? Just make it as simple as possible so that it's, you know, like five things that you really need. But once people are used to giving you those five things, sneak a few more in. They don't even notice. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Yeah, I've actually never heard that before uh, over like 100 interviews, but it, it totally makes sense. The salesperson is going to start doing the thing and then in their mind, they, they think the thing is really easy because there's three fields. But then, and they probably won't even notice that it's like four, five, six, and then they'll still think it's easy when it's eight because they first thought it was easy. I guess that's yeah, the theory. part of what they do. And automate it, if you automate it but, you know, but make it required. Sure. Um, quickly going back to that Chrome program, because it actually kind of sounds like our product. Um, it, it isn't Evsa by any chance. It, you, you said it was the Gmail plugin, but it's that thinking yeah. between, oh, amazing. So that's things between Gmail and Salesforce. It does, yep. Cool. Amazing. So next question. And I, I assume you guys have been working a little bit more remotely in, in the last couple of months. Uh, has that changed the way you work with the reps? Are you doing anything different than when you, you guys were all in an office? Honestly, no. I mean, uh, you know, we have two reps are in New York and then the other three are in Austin. Um, but we're all, even when we were in, all in the office together, we were used to doing Zoom calls together. So now it's just that every call is a Zoom call. It's probably actually, it's easier for our remote employees now because with everybody on Zoom, you're much more in tune with how you talk about things. If you use a whiteboard, you need to make sure you have a camera on it or use a virtual whiteboard. Um, yeah, so I honestly, I, nothing has changed with the way that I interact with our sellers. Um, yeah. And that's, that's totally a big advantage for, for teams that had different offices to being completely remote. It can actually get more inclusive. It's super interesting, isn't it? Um, Absolutely, yeah. Next question on the forecasting process. How are you guys currently doing that? Yeah, so we forecast weekly. Uh, it's done by me and my team. Um, but so we are, it's, it's a blend between information from our finance team and business intelligence for actual revenue and how the revenue is pacing. And then a weighted view of pipeline that we need to complete by the end of the quarter. And then by 
six weeks into a quarter, I'm starting to forecast the following quarter. So we're looking for that visibility. Well, that sounds like a logical process. Um, and now on to metrics. If you could only measure one sales-related metric for the rest of your career, which would you choose? Revenue. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's revenue. It's, um, you know, it's, that's, that's an easy answer, but it would be revenue and um, uh, pipeline velocity or your pipeline coverage, right? Because that's, that's how you're going to get revenue. Do you have enough in your pipeline to draw from? Because not everything will close. I mean, we all know that. But, um, you know, you can't have a one-to-one coverage ratio and a 60-to-one coverage ratio is silly, but you should probably have five to ten. Got it. Okay. So if I know they've got coverage, then I feel pretty confident that we'll get to the number we need. Got it. So if you can have the cheap one, if you can have revenue, then you, you take pipeline coverage. Yep. Awesome. Uh, and then final question is, who has uh, inspired or educated you the most in sales operations? Yeah, so uh, it's funny because he's the first sales operations person that I hired. Uh, his name is Dan Walsh. He's now the global head of sales ops at Spotify. Um, so I hired him as my first person in sales ops at Yahoo. We worked together at Yahoo for three years. And then I hired him away from Yahoo to Tumblr, which oddly enough, Yahoo bought Tumblr six weeks later. Um, but so he and I worked closely together for five years. and. You know, while I hired him, he, he's taught me a lot over the years, uh, just in, you know, just a really smart, consultative approach. And, you know, he's got that good balance of being consultative, but also being, you know, an operating leader. You need to be, you need to be a little strict sometimes. Got it. Awesome. Well, Mark, I've, I've took some actually very actionable tips away from this interview normally the concepts i summarize at the end or the the insights are more like high level but here we have very actionable salesforce developer over admin because they can actually get stuff done i'm not sure how politically correct that is um and then i just really like the sneaking stuff in um just put it in there like easy at first and then put it in put more in over time um and then of course we have heard this before but i think it's so so important is never ask for something without first giving something, whether that's a new tool or uh, helping the sales rep rep somehow. Um, So that's what I took away. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for being patient. Finally having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, review and if you have any questions about the show if you know a guest or if you have any questions about sales operations just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com that's tomhunt at ebster.com